Welcome to The Journey of a Singer with me, your host, Nick Pritchard. This is the podcast where we dive into the fascinating and unique journeys of those individuals within the creative industry. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with cabaret extraordinaire, Darren Charles. Darren shares his illustrious journey in the entertainment industry, leading roles both on the West End, Europe, USA and Asia in shows such as Five Guys Named Mo, Bollywood Nights, The Rat Pack Live from Las Vegas and Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoats. Darren created his own path, stepping into the wonderful world of cabaret, playing Saucy Davis Jr. and can be found hosting, producing and touring with London's top cabaret shows such as An Evening of Burlesque and private dramas, cabaret shows on board the Belmond British Pullman. So sit back and enjoy the journey of a singer with today's marvellous guest, Darren Charles. Darren Charles, welcome to the Journey of a Singer podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Wicked to have you on, man. <laughs> Thank I mean, you for having me. I've been following your social media for since, the, I think, pandemic. Right. I just loved how you've got such a variety of things you do. Like the shows that you put on are different. It's got this element of real excitement about it. Okay. I'd love to know, like, where did you start with your journey as a singer, an actor? You've got a whole host of talents. You're very multifaceted. Right. How did that all begin? Oh, oh. Uh, long story short, with the beginning of it, because it's like in sections. Um, I did dance as a kid at like five years old. I asked my parents, I wanted to do tap. I saw it on TV. I saw Gene Kelly with the the mouse as well in the American in Paris. And that inspired me. And so they sent me to tap classes and I loved it. You did a bit of ballet and jazz and stuff. And then I stopped for a while because of bullying and you know, just being a little kid. And everybody's like, eh, he likes ballet, you know. Um, but it was a good thing because I came back many years later as a teenager and found a, a school that had dance. At the time, it was named Grafton Regal, and it's now London, South London Dance School. And a wonderful teacher named Zoe, she got me into dance again, and she actually said, oh, can you sing? Can you act as well? You might be interested in going to, like, full-time college, school, uni, you know? And at the time, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is, I, I never thought about singing. I just want to dance, you know? I enjoy dancing. At the same time, I was studying my A-levels. So I went, dropped religious studies and did dance, which was a big jump for everybody. And they were like, what is he doing? <laughs> and yeah, with with her help, I got into a school named Erdang. Erdang so Academy. It's a very famous school. It's a very yeah. prestigious school. Yeah. I got scholarship there. And I that's where I learned how to sing um, and act. Yeah. Uh, as well as dance and the rest. You are the triple threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've probably got more than triple on there as well. But um, it's funny, isn't it, how at your youngest ages of like four or five, yeah. you can sometimes see in a kid that, oh, they've got they've got a talent for that or they've got a yeah. passion for that. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's more obvious than others. But there are times when you look at certain kids at that age and you think, oh, no, that guy's going to be a good singer or that guy's going to be right. a good dancer or they've got yeah. rhythm or they can move. And and uh, it's funny you brought up the ballet. Like my, my parents took me to ballet when I was five. I lasted about two classes. Right. I think it's probably the opposite. They probably looked at me and thought, <laughs> nah, this kid, he's never going to be good. He's never going to be good at this. <laughs> so what did you do after Erdang? Uh, well, after Erdang, um, well, the, the whole idea was to get into musical theatre. 
um, because I absolutely loved it from the moment I first saw it. And I did immediately. I didn't even completely finish the year, but I still graduated, put it that way. But um, yeah, I went straight into a show named Carmen Jones. It was an opera um, at the Royal Festival Hall. Nice. So yeah, that was my first gig. That's that's full on. Can are you yeah. do you do opera? Yeah. Yes, I've done a little bit, not that much, but you know, I've done, I've done opera, opera, and like rock opera. You know, mm. uh, Screams Kitchen Genovese. We did. Um, yeah, I've done a few of those things with a big band orchestra as well. Yeah, which is amazing and blows your mind. You always learn something with those mm. things. But yeah, and where did the big band stuff come from? Because I think when I first saw you on social media, I thought, oh man, this guy's got like the whole Rat Pack thing going. Right. So um, I've always liked jazz, but I've never, I guess something's come from your parents, you know what I mean? Like you hear your parents listen to things and you catch on, but I wouldn't say my parents were into jazz, jazz, you know, but somehow it's always in the back of your brain. You've got a little information there about it. So I must've been at um, dance studio one day uh, with company Bergang, we were all training, doing a thing, and a friend of mine named Ivan, uh, Ivan Blackstock, uh, he brought the stage paper over to me and said, hey, Banks, because that's my nickname, which people call me, um, hey, Banks, I, I, I got, uh, look, check it, there's, there's this Rat Pack thing, and I think you'll be perfect as Sammy Davis Jr. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know that much about Sammy Davis Jr. How, how am I going to be perfect? This is a tribute show. It's going into the West End. I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> now we're brought me back. <laughs> I I wrote in to them, got my agent involved at the time, and went through the whole audition process. And each level, I felt like I was getting more and more into it. So the first round was just hearing you sing, yeah. So I was like, okay, sing some that, some Coles, some Sammy, some something else, you know. And then the next next phase, and then before you know it, you're in a suit walking in, and you're like. No, I'm going to play the character. This is what I want, you know. I've read about this guy now, you know. And, yeah, that made a spark of things. The Rat Pack world. Because um, there's endless history with those guys. Endless, you know. That's one show that I wish... If someone said to me, what's one thing you wish you could see in history? I'd just love to have seen the Rat Pack. Yeah. I would, I would have loved to have seen that. Like, the interaction they had, the chemistry they had. <laughs> singing those songs... And I mean, I can't think of any anything else that I'd rather see. And this is, you know, obviously that time's passed, but being able to continue it on, yeah, with the likes of the Rat Pack show and and doing these. I think there's a new one that's just come out. Yes, there is the Frank Sinatra one. That's it. That's it. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen little snippets. Mm-hmm. That's very theatery. Like I've heard little yeah. snippets of it. It's, it doesn't quite sound like the the old Sinatra jazz. Yeah, it sounds a bit more ready for stage it's very it's very theatery it's also vocally quite theater-esque yeah uh, it's really cool that these things are living on and yeah. in their own way i obviously am a bit biased towards that world i love it i love feeling like i'm having some part of continuing their yeah. history in some kind of way yeah and, and trying to connect with younger generations coming up and introducing them to that kind of music and oh, i've seen you do it with the big sh- bands i mean yeah it's, yeah it's ooh. awesome but the, the the shows like that that you've you've been in it's really cool to continue that line of work a lot of artists from that show who 
that's where they've come from. You know what I mean? It's one of those grounds where you really learn your art, you mm. know, especially as jazz. And and some of the musicians on the show as well, like some of them had actually played with like Frank Sinatra or Sammy or, right. you know, so their stories and yeah. and how they think things should be, you know, you go, oh, okay, right, okay. Right, I get that rhythm instead and I'll do that instead. Okay, that's jazz, right. That's really you cool. Because there's, there's going to be a time where you won't have anyone left that had worked with Sinatra. We're yeah. still in this era where people have been alive when Sinatra and the Rat Pack were about. Yeah. Um, so that in itself is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I always find it really satisfying and, and more exciting when I'm singing to someone of a slightly older generation that was around when those songs came out. Yeah. Like you can yeah. tell it hits them differently. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What? So what inspired your... Because I think what differentiates you now, the burlesque route, the shows that you're putting on at the moment, I like, I, every time I see them pop up, I'm like, that looks so cool. It looks so exciting yeah. and so different. And there's not much of that going on in the UK. You've got the burlesque, you've got the cabaret, but like the shows being put together, there's very yeah. few of them. So what inspired you to go down that route? Well, I mean, I the thing with the Rat Pack world is that it was... it. I hate to say it, but the age group are dying out. Yeah, you know? and so like I was saying you have to introduce new people to that world, and I was finding doing Rat Pack constantly wasn't introducing that new element. You could come up with new jokes and new things, but it wasn't capturing that new audience. How about we go further than Showgirls? How about we actually have burlesque? You know, and that's kind of where that thing is coming for me because once again a world opened up once you mm-hmm. once you see the gap the world opens up again and it becomes a whole nother world of away from tribute but cabaret you know mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that's where that's come about uh, filling the gap knowing okay i can introduce old stuff i can introduce new stuff and i can make my own shows as well you know what i mean like there's space for that you know the creativity and the vision that you've had with some of these shows it it, I think it was the train one that pops up. What was the one? What was that called? The one where you were on the right. So uh, we did the Orient Express. The Orient Express. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is just such a unique concept, and the vision and creativity that's gone into this. Yes. Is really setting yourself into a new lane in the market. And I have I th- to say, I have to give credit to Adam for that. Okay. Adam Blackwood, of private drama events. He is the the creator of that idea. You know. Um, he basically saw all of us, all of us from the cabaret world and went, well, I want that and I want that and I want that, you know, um, and let's put it on the train. Let's let's make it like a, you know, a real vibe, yeah. a Sammy vibe, which is standard tucks and everything. And then there's my character that I've made up, Saucy Davis Jr., who is all gold, all jewels, where's a gold S, you know what I mean? Like You, you just take elements and you, you add on top to make this new form, you know, which appeals to a younger audience. So what are the shows at the moment that you're... Uh, so in? at the moment, um, I play Saucy Davis Jr. in many different shows around town and stuff, different cabarets, you know. Um, I also have my show called The Rat Pat Burlesque Show, but I'm currently on a show named An Evening of Burlesque, uh, which is to- a touring show around the UK. Literally all the way up to Scotland, back down all the way to Cornwall. You know, we're, we're all over the country. <laughs> You're so busy. I mean, when we were getting in touch about when to do the podcast, 
you were sort of sending over your schedule and I was like, man, we're, we're never getting this podcast done. This is, <laughs> you had so many shows. Um, and then I know that recently you had, you basically lost your voice, right? Yeah. And that's something that as a performer, you've got to be so wary of all the time because it's, it's what makes you the money. It's your yeah. instrument. And it's really scary when that disappears. What was that like for you? What is it like when it actually happens? I mean... You always know when it's happening and your voice is getting slightly worse and you're like, oh, mm. I've got this cough as well. What's going on, you know? And you go through the phase of, okay, I'll, I'll ease back, I'll steam, I'll do things. But essentially, when stuff gets like that, your body's just telling you, you need to rest, you know? You just need to give yourself time to recoup, relax the voice, stop talking altogether, you know? Um but yeah, at, at, when it's happening, it's quite scary. But you push through at the same time. There's always like this saying, the show must go on. And it it does. You find a way for it to go on, you know. Even if you have to speak sing at some point until you get to the end of that voice. And also, I'd imagine you're quite you're quite a difficult person to dep out, especially with your Saucy Davis. They're like, yeah. how is that going to work? Like, how are you going to be able to be like, oh, would you mind playing Saucy Davis for the evening? <laughs> well, luckily, I'd, I'd managed to get through the main stuff. Hosting is a thing. When somebody books you to host, you kind of run the show the way that you would. It runs around how you would do things. So it's hard to dep out as a host. Not for sure. But doing a variety slot, that's exactly it. It's a variety slot. So I'll come in and do my own thing. And I think with that, it's just about depping somebody in that can do a variety slot. Yeah, that's more deppable. Yeah. But then the Saucy Davis stuff, That I mean, yeah. if someone's specifically going for that or if, if you've got a show where yeah. that needs to be there, that's hard boots to fill. Yeah. It, well, I, I took the week off last week, mm -hmm. um, but I had a wedding at the end of the week. And that's one of those moments where somebody wants you to come and sing for them, do their first dance. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, right, I can put the other stuff aside for now, which I hate doing because I know audiences, you know, they've come to see you, you're on the poster, but at the same time, I've got to go, okay, but this is a special day for somebody right now. You know, they're paying me a lot of money to come and sing their first dance. So, right, what can I do to make that better? I've got six days to steam not talk, eat ginger, do all the good stuff, you know, and get back into vocal fitness to be able to go, right, I can sing, I, I do first dance easy, you know. And any other tips and tricks for anyone that's sort of thinking, oh, shoot, I might need to do the same thing. <laughs> Is it, what have you learned from, from your time in the industry? And like, maybe this might not have been the first time it's <laughs> happened. How can you increase that recovery process? I would say never push past your 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 limits if you feel like you're, you're getting to that point then rest up you know and take a step back you know do what you need to do you know like if it's after the show steam you know just not talk you know what i mean just apologize you can't talk after you know and just spend time steaming until the next day and a good trick i got taught the other day because i'm always learning something new was to literally eat ginger raw ginger <laughs> It tastes disgusting oh. as hell. But it it really did, I must admit. Yeah, Whatever was going that. on there, it cleared it up. Yeah. Hey, okay. I'll need to bear that in mind. You yeah. always learn something new, don't you? Yeah. I haven't heard that one before. And what about the preparation for being... When you're doing the amount of shows that you're doing, you're essentially an athlete at that point. Yeah. What's yeah. it like in terms of prepar preparing to be in the shape 
to actually be able to pull that off? Well, I do quite a bit. I definitely go to the gym, you know. I go on long runs while singing and running. Yeah. yeah. The old, um, what's it, um, Beyonce technique. Right. <laughs> and it works. It builds up that stamina so that you can take those big breaths on stage and, mm -hmm. and carry on notes for ages. Um, but also, I do warm-ups every day. I try and make sure that every day I spend 10 minutes or so just vocally warming up, stretching the voice a little bit, you know, all those kind of things. And those are a daily basis kind of thing. It's workout and vocal stretch and physically stretch. And, you know, it's just the whole body thing you need to, in order to survive. It's your vessel, isn't it? It's your, yeah. You've got to really look after it. And yeah. Does nutrition come into play? Massively. What's your go-to? Are, are there any things you're like, nope, definitely won't do that, or, or I definitely need to do this in order to be at my peak? My constant struggle is with chocolate. Yeah. I, I love chocolate, <laughs> but it is terrible. It's terrible for the throat. It's terrible for the cords. It's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things where maybe after a show, I go chocolate crazy, you mm. know? <laughs> Once the show's done, yeah. <laughs> give me some of that chocolate. <laughs> yeah, but before it, I'm like, no, 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 no. Especially if I feel tired. Nope, yeah. staying away from that because that will just clog me up. Yeah, yeah, people say these things, but like, it actually is a thing. Yeah. You can literally feel it just sort of like, yeah, it's there in your throat somewhere. Or, or it just <laughs> doesn't feel as fluid. But at the same time, I mean, you, you, you can't... You got to live your life as well. Yes. So there's got to be that balance there. Yeah. Being smart about it. You probably, if you've got loads of shows in the run, you you think this is a time where I can, I really need to maximise my yes. efficiency. And, yeah. But even if you're eating something before a show, you don't want anything too heavy because you don't want to no. be, like, for me, I, I actually burp if I've been eating right. too too much of the wrong thing, and then I've got to go and sing, like, because your your diaphragm's moving and it's squeezing right. into your stomach. If right. I've eaten too much or I've had the wrong thing, I'm at danger of like burping down the microphone and that's like yes. the last thing you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You've got to time it out when you want to eat yeah. and how long before the show because at the same time, you don't want to eat too much but you don't want to eat too little mm. that you get to the show and you're running on fumes. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I've definitely had that before. I get halfway through the show and then I'm like, ooh. Mm. I don't know about you but I'm always starving after a show. Yeah, doesn't matter like... And you yes. always crave the wrong things after a show. Like, yeah. The battle yeah, 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 for yeah. me is as soon as the show's done, it's like, okay, be sensible. It's late. Yes. So you're probably better off just, just calling it a day and yeah. then having a nice breakfast. Yeah. But also it's like you're driving home and I'm like, I'll just I'll just nip into like the garage. And that is up. the worst. That's yeah. the killer. And That's I don't know why. I haven't figured it out yet, but maybe you expend so much energy and yeah. you're craving that stuff. But it's funny, though, because you say that, because even like touring and stuff and you're driving home or on a tour bus or whatever, and you get to service, say like a, I don't know, a McDonald's is open. How many times do you ever look at a McDonald's and go, oh, I'll get the salad box or whatever? <laughs> you know what I mean? The option is mm. there, but for some reason, your brain goes, no, no, I want that burger and mm. chips or something. You know what I mean? Like Especially after a show. Really, <laughs> really wants it. That's my, That's my thing. I try and like... I try and just sleep it off. Just, just go. Just get home to bed and like just try and sleep it off. Because otherwise, I know, I know what's going to happen. And then I'm up later as well because the food right. is keeping me away. Yeah. <laughs> Those kind of things. Um, but no, I think like just like an athlete, if you were about to run a marathon or about to play a football game, yes, you wouldn't eat a big meal just no. beforehand because you know it's going to sit funny in your stomach. Yeah. You're going to get a stitch, yeah. like. And especially stuff you're doing where you're actually moving. You can actually, I, yeah. I don't dance. I'm not a dancer, but you can actually dance. That is, you're 
physically expending energy and yeah. you are moving your body just like you would if you were going to run or play a game of football. So And it makes a difference. It does make a difference that a heavy meal before I do a tap solo while singing, like, yeah. When I come off stage, if I've eaten heavy or if I haven't, because <laughs> I'll either be in the corner and go, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> or be like, oh, yeah, I'm swaying, but I'm good. Yeah, mm, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So would you say in terms of your priorities, you've got, at the top is your your shows and yeah. Your, would you would you put your private stuff up there as well, like your corporate, your yeah, your weddings, yeah, that kind I'd of thing. Definitely, yeah. And then following that is is the acting coming second, or is there something else? What else is in your priority? Well, I would say the 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 shows always come first because they they're there constantly, you know. Um, and then yes, the acting. I won't say second, but I would say there's less of it. And with acting, you you got to be choosy about what you do as well. You know? Because it's a good thing to say yes to everything, but then there's some things you should say no to. <laughs> and we've all been there. We've all done different roles or parts that we've gone, why do I do this? You know, yeah. what? yeah. And then it's time. Exactly. You get caught on the wrong project. Right. You're trapped somewhere for a while. This is what I hear a lot about. I don't know if you've done ships. Have you done cruises? Yes, I have. So yeah. one of the reasons I, I pretty much always say no to cruises, unless it's like a guest on thing, it's like, yeah. man, right. nine months. Like, sure, it's like maybe you get consistent income. and Yeah. But what could you have done in that period of time with your career? What opportunities yeah. have you missed from being on the boat? And yeah. It's a long time to be wrapped up into something. So getting wrapped into the wrong contract and the wrong project potentially is a, is a bad move. Yeah. But also it depends on where you're at in your life. Sure. Um, I think where I'm at right now, I can safely say I don't need to do a nine-month cruise. You know? But at the beginning of my career, there oh, some yeah. empty yeah, gaps, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Where I was like, yeah. hey, that's an experience. Mm -hmm. That is, you gain something, you know? Yeah. Not just money and work but you gain an experience of oh, seeing every day well. and yeah. being on the ships touring around you know like all those things so yeah i would never say to anybody say no to it i'm definitely not shitting on cruises no. like, definitely cool things to do if, yeah especially if you're coming out like um you've just come out of grad school or something yeah that is an amazing thing to yeah. be able to get to yeah. do. travel the world like, you're part of this community you like it, it's really really cool I've honestly seeing people grow like yeah. go on a cruise and come back and they're a whole different person, you know? Mm -hmm. They've got this stuff sorted. They're like, you've got stuff for a band or whatever. And the crews used to do this. I'm like, and I experience. Know, uh, there are people out there. That, um, that's their thing. Yeah. They are the cruise guys and th they love it. And, you know, you, you're not paying for yeah. food. You're not, yeah. you don't have to worry about anything other than singing. Yeah. And uh, if that's, if that's where you want to go with it, then, then that's sure. It. That's it. Uh, but yeah, I think it, you're right. It depends on where you're at and what you yeah. want to do because, potentially you can get locked in and yes you could be getting offered stuff on in london and that you have to turn down and that's and the other thing you could be kicking yourself uh, so you're trying to weigh things up is there anything else you would say to because i know a lot of the listeners for this podcast are upcoming or just recently graduated yeah. from musical theater probably erdang as well yeah yeah um yeah. these kind of places obviously you've been through it you've done it you've had a great career and you're going on to bigger and better things every day what can you give from your experience to those guys that are just starting out? I would say you're always learning. That's the key thing. You, you never get to uh, a point where you're Mr. Noel, you know what I mean? There's always something new to learn. And, and with that, a friend of mine gave me some great advice early on. They said, never say no. Unless you're in a position to say no, never say no, you know? And by doing that, you open up the doors 
there's lots of stuff that you you do that you're like nah that wasn't so great but then when you count up the stuff that is great you never know where it leads you you know mm -hmm. um i would say for instance rat pack being that journey you know like i was saying about oh, it's trivial i don't know much about you know but it opened up a whole different world for me by doing that where i could have been like yeah but it's tribute i'm, I'm more of an actor singing you know what i mean I just come from opera you know i could have been that route but no i went through that door and i think that's the thing about entertainment industry is that there's so many different doors you can go through and you should never say no completely you know mm -hmm. always know that there's more out there there's different aspects of entertainment that you can take on is there a balance, do you think, of having that variety, but then also finding a lane and a niche and becoming the best at your field sort of thing? Yes, I I think I think that does happen with some people. Some people go off and they are, you know, they, they create their own path. You know? But with a lot of people I see creating that path and becoming, winning those awards and stuff like that, it is because they they are doing their thing, you know? And it's not because they're seeking that glory. It's actually because they're doing their thing and they've just kept doing their thing, you know? And the, built their world around them, which has mm -hmm. then got recognition rather than, I'm going to be the best, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is my... Yeah. Um, there's a lot of examples of that. And it, especially in this industry, by following the thing, the passion. Yes. And you just can stick with it. Yeah. And eventually you've almost created your own niche and brand and person right. and yeah. like with Saucy Junior. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like that's an amalgamation of like yeah. your life's work and then like your passions. And then when you're making a character like that, you're not going to make it someone that you don't want to play. Right. It's exactly. got to be something that you are about, passionate about and have like, you know, how are you going to bring this into the creative world? Right. And then eventually you, you it's formed its own thing and people are booking yeah. you for that character. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, there's some, there's some great artists out there. I mean, um, I was doing some shows at the main in town and yes. working with uh, like Fallon D, yeah. um, Claire de Vreloir, like these burlesque dancers, um, Miss jo uh, Jolie, Jojo, Jolie, Jolie. Yeah. yeah, like amazing at yeah. their craft and different. And I love that amalgamation of um i think that's the kind of the closest i got to sort of stepping into your world was, yeah, was yeah. working with these guys um it's amazing to see what that how it changes the show yes and it keeps it modern it keeps it fresh and at the same time you're giving a nod to like probably how it was back in the day when yeah. you'd have these jazz clubs and you'd have these dancers and yeah. um it's really cool and then i did another one with the london cabaret club yes so i've worked with them a few times but it's just a, it's so different and fun that's that's the thing it's it's really fun i think there needs to be more of it yeah and having people that know how to put these shows on well exactly i i always find it's people who are passionate in it you know and they go actually i want to see more of this this is this is the thing wouldn't it be great if we had this and this and mm -hmm. this you know and then we come along we're like we've always wanted this this and this but we we can't afford it so you can let's do it mm -hmm. like, yeah that's a, a point in general. If you go to different countries or even the other the other week I was in um, Liverpool 
Yeah. And there was just so much more happening. Yes. It's like in London. Come on, man. London is yeah. the heart of like the West End. It's your entertainment. Like they do the West End well. Yeah. But then there needs to be more. There needs to be more yeah. going on. There needs to be more venues putting these things on. Yeah. Because the yeah, demand yeah. is there. Yeah. And I don't think that venues realize because for them, it isn't a case of, oh, we'll put some money in here and we'll get this much out. Generally, that's not how it works. No. It takes time to realize yeah. the effect of what it is that you've done and time to build the reputation to be known as a place that puts on live entertainment or live music. Massively. What I see all the time, I mean, I, cause I've been part of it and it happens all the time. New venue pops up. We want a jazz band. We want yeah. some live music. They bring in our like five, six piece band yeah, yeah. and they're like, we're going to do Wednesday through till Saturday, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four, five nights a week. We're going to have live music. Yeah. After four weeks, they're like, oh, but we didn't get the same amount of money back as we spent on the band. Do you know what? We'll drop it down to a five piece. Next week, right. it's a four piece, then a three piece, then a two piece. And before you know it, it's just a piano, pianist playing and singing. Yeah. This has happened so many times in London. And I think what these venues have to realize is it takes time to get your name out there, to yep. be known as somewhere that puts your people like oh we're gonna go here because of the live music or we're gonna go exactly. here because of the show they're putting on exactly. and they lose faith too quickly it's an investment that you need to be more long visioned with i was gonna say one of the things that i see with with all this exactly what you're saying is is marketing a lot of people kind of brush over marketing but it's a big job in itself you know selling a show you may sell the first few weeks or whatever you know just like you said but then this is where marketing kicks in. You know, I've definitely had shows where I spent a whole load of money on marketing because I'm like, okay, I'm produce this, I'm put on. And I've had audience members who come from overseas and they were like, yeah, we were in town this week and we saw it while we were looking what's on while we're here, you know, and we've come to see the show. Marketing counts for so much. Mm -hmm. So that audience, you know, 100% coming in. I think the problem is a lot of the people that are get put in charge of the, the marketing are too heavily influenced by the finance team. Yes. And the finance team, they like to see, oh, I invest this much in, I get this much out. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work that way with marketing. No. Especially no. with social media. Yeah. Like you could put up like a paid promotion on social media that could mean that three months down the line, someone's booked that into their diary. Right. And because it didn't come from the click of the marketing link, you didn't realize that actually it was the marketing that brought right. you that sale. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that constant battle between the finance and marketing team. It is. Because honestly, any time that I've, I've gone, yes, I think this is a great idea. I'm going to give it a go. I believe in it. It's never gone wrong, wrong, you know? Maybe a loss in numbers or a loss in intake or whatever. But something always comes from that because there's always somebody who saw it. There's always people that you, you met or had mm -hmm. to bring in. Somebody dropped out and you had to find somebody new to fill this mm -hmm. spot. But then that person that you met, you know, is a link to a whole load of different things. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's always something good from mm -hmm. that, that passion that comes, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And to reiterate that without sounding too wishy-washy, I don't know how else to phrase it, but I feel as though... The universe rewards people that are taking those little bits of risk. Yeah. I'm a massive believer in overextending yourself. Yeah. I think you should always be like, oh, this might not work. Or like, <laughs> like you should always be pushing the boundary. Yeah. And I think the universe has a has a way of repaying that yes. and respecting the people that are willing to like risk something or, or put themselves on the line or Definitely. overextend Definitely. themselves. And I've found like whenever I've done that, 
it has come back to me in yeah. some weird and wonderful way that you just wouldn't have happened had you not taken that that risk yeah, yeah it's it's remarkable yeah. there's something to it there is it's just scary taking that step sometimes yeah really scary but i think i think everybody needs to take it especially if you're you're in entertainment and and not just entertainment i would do this to many things just say art in a form art is a risk you're portraying something or giving something out that other people are going to either like hate or appreciate or you know you know what i mean mm -hmm. You're putting yourself out there, you know? Yeah. And that is the basic form of it as well. So, yeah, no matter how big it gets or how small it is, you've got to put it out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the fun. Yeah. That's why we do it. <laughs> but you've got to be passionate about it. I think one of, yes. the, one of the sort of overwhelming themes of having guests on this podcast is you have some sort of calling or passion or, yeah. you, you know, you don't choose to do this because, oh, this was my only option or, like, yeah. this is... <laughs> This is what I chose to do. You, you no. do it because you you get drawn to it. There's something within you. You've had some kind of like positive reinforcement by doing a show and getting that recognition of you are good at something and then yeah. trying to pursue it more. Constantly. I mean, when I think of myself, I think if I take away the childhood thing of, of dance and I say, okay, that's there. It's just the part of my back of my brain. What was it that started the whole thing? Art. I used to love drawing, painting, whatever. I was good at it, you know? Mm. But where was my art taking me? I was like, physical form, ballet feet. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, this science, your subconscious mm. tell you, oh, but why does this interest me? Like, you know, Leonardo's work and the form and the body. And then before, you know, I'm listening to music while painting it. It's all signs of growth, yeah. you know? <laughs> Did you have a vision as a kid or did was there something that you really wanted to be when you were younger um i think i went through many phases as a kid i wanted to be all sorts I wanted to be in the military i wanted to at some point be an architect but i think as you said a calling it it happens this there comes a point where you have to make a decision and it's almost like the decision is almost made for you it's put right in oh, mm. put right in front of you you know mm. and you can't ignore it you know? i went to school uh, college for a levels to do art to do graphic design and you know religious studies or whatever but then suddenly there was a dance course that was there just started was i interested that was the question and then i was like yeah, well, I'll do it for fun, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And then before you know it, they're like, actually, I'm going to teach here and do the A-level course. Would you like to do that? Yeah, I'm loving it. So, you know, it's just that, it, you know, you get that thingy and it suddenly becomes, grows, and it's almost like the art form building. I remember, I mean, this is probably like loosely related to what we're saying, but my mum brought me up playing the flute. Yes. And, and I would, I liked singing. Yes. And I always remember... Singing was not a man's thing to do. It was like singing was a very feminine thing. Yes. So I always stayed clear of it. And it wasn't until that Joseph show that I was like, nah, I want to do this. But right. then I went playing the flute, watch videos of myself back from when they filmed me when I was a kid. And I've got this like, I look like I'm having the worst time in my life because I didn't want people to think that right. I was enjoying playing the flute. Oh, no. Because it was such a fem, it was like the most feminine. Ob I wanted to play the drums or guitar or like yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, the reality is, that's where I learned all my melody, all my harmony, all my right. timing, all of that kind of stuff is what taught me music. And going back to the role model thing, I remember 
year six was the end of your infant school and yes. you're kind of like top of the pack at that age because you're yeah. the oldest yeah and i remember having influence on the younger kids that i was singing the lead in the, the west the, the musical theater show and the same thing when i went to my secondary school i did all the the music and the, the musical shows yeah. and and um i i felt like this is good because i'm showing to the younger guys coming up that singing is right. cool yes. i felt like that was my part to play in that, that side of things there's there's always there's always points like that i've had a similar thing with the dancing as a kid, when I was five years old, I was the only boy. And then it was the dance teacher's son who came along and was like, oh, I see that guy dancing. I want to dance. He was a little bit younger than me. And so we were like a, a duo, you know, all these other little girls dancing about whatever. It felt comfortable because it was another guy doing it. And I guess the same thing coming back wasn't that far off. There's just a few more boys, but it was having a few more boys that made it feel less like oh am i in the right place you know like i really love doing this but you know what are people gonna think of me you know you know what i mean mm. like yeah i still get that now yeah. like occasionally i go to pineapple classes to do the dancing and i know that there's that inner child young part of me that's yeah. holding back when it comes yeah. to dancing yeah, yeah and it's yeah, like yeah. you just need to relax and express yourself yeah a bit I still have that. And that's definitely a childhood thing of yes. it's not cool to be a dancer as a boy. Yeah. I think it's just a bit of a mental block, to be honest. Right. Like, oh, it wasn't cool to do that back then. I mean, pineapple classes are good for that because yeah. they really get yeah, you yeah, to yeah. just like, no one cares. You're never going to see these people again. Right. Go for it. Right. And that's the whole point. Have fun. That is the whole point of it is to have fun. And yeah, I know. And it can be serious. You know, when the routine gets hard, everyone's busting out plastics. You know what I mean? Like... It's great, but at the end of the day, everybody is there to enjoy. And I think that's the main thing, is to forget what everybody else is thinking is and just enjoy. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. enjoy the art. Enjoy it, you know? Do you think anyone should ever drop out? Because I think we're quite good, especially on podcasts and stuff, at yeah. saying, keep going, just keep going. Just yeah. But do you think, realistically, that some people just aren't made for the industry or actually they should be doing something else? Um... I'd say if, if you if you love it and it's it's something that makes you happy doing, then yes, you should keep going, you know. But if you don't love it, because I know sometimes people get disheartened, then yeah, you probably need a change of scenery, you know. But to completely give up, I don't think you ever really give up because most of the time when people do that, they open themselves to something new within the industry, you know. They sometimes become a director they find it in clothing and design you know and they're like well actually i don't have to be a part mm. of that thing that doesn't make me happy but actually making the clothes for everybody makes mm. me quite happy do you know i think that's one thing that we we've discussed a couple of times this podcast is like sometimes closing a door it opens another one you wouldn't have been able to open that other one having not done what you've just done right it set you up to open this door and that's the lane that you're happier in and you but you never would have been there had you not have done the yes. first stuff. Yeah, sometimes it can be really powerful to to, to close a door. And again, without sounding too wishy-washy, like, I do think you follow the feeling. Yes. You've got to follow that feeling. Yes. And that will lead you. That will guide you yes. down down the right way. Like, if you follow the feeling, you work hard, and you're passionate about something, and you really go for it, there's only good things that are going to kind of come from yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's always finding that passion. As long as you have that passion, it will grow and become better and better. If you lose the passion, then you need to find it again. And it might not be in the same place that you found it originally. I think the passion is the best guidance you can have. 
I really do. I really yeah. do. I know there's mixed messages of this online where it's like, you've got loads of people being like, just follow your passion, follow your dreams, blah, blah. <laughs> and you've got other people going like, no, no, don't follow your passions. Like, that's a silly way to do it. Yeah. For me, I'm definitely more in the camp of follow your passion. And, and that doesn't mean there are people that are passionate about accounting. And that's, yeah. their, that's their thing. That's what gets them lit. Yeah. That's what they love. That's great. We need those people. There are yes. people that their passion is dancing. And that's what makes them alive. Yeah. We need those people. Like society needs all these different things. Exactly. And I'd love to know a study of everybody in the UK, if they were to write down their sort of top three passions, Yeah. if there was an equal distribution of what makes a society tick. Right. So what I'm saying there is if there was enough people with a passion for accountancy to make it so that the economy could still work. And there's enough yes. people passionate about driving trains that can make the economy still work. And yes. I'd be so fascinated to know if we are by design meant to just follow the passion or if right. people are in the wrong job or the wrong. Well, this is why I think, I think your passions change depending on where you are, what you're doing, what's happening. Your passions definitely change. Yeah, I think it probably is equal doubt because different people see different things and gain a passion from them. Mm. I, I always thought um, when I was growing up that everyone had the same interests and likes. Right. I had this thing where it was like, oh no, obviously everyone must think that being a singer is the best thing in the world. And it's not till I grew up and realised some people would absolutely <laughs> hate to be doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think opening my mind out to actually everyone likes different things even with and this is a bit of a strange example i remember seeing photos of models yes. and being like well that must be what everyone's attracted to and i'd like see someone and be like oh they're attractive that must be what everyone thinks is attractive yeah. and then yeah. it was only until i got older chatting to some friends oh that person's really attractive aren't they no 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 i'm, I'm into this person it blew my mind. It really blew my mind. Early teens or whatever, when you're discussing those kind of yeah. things. I, I remember having these conversations and like my mind being blown and suddenly yeah. realizing, oh shit. Yeah. There's someone for everyone. Yeah. There's different levels of attractive and, and learning to see things from other people's point of view yeah. and in get into other people's eyes. That's such a powerful thing to be able to do. Yeah. That really is. Cause I think especially as a performer, sometimes you get like sucked into your world and the blinkers are on yes and i think it's so important to just be able to be like off with the blinkers and try and just step into someone else's shoes yes see it from their point of view i think to be honest i think the best the best stage managers the best producers the best directors those people who do that are able to to put their vision aside and see somebody else's vision mm then add their vision to that and you know mm -hmm. like yeah we've all come across those producers or directors that are so set in a certain way yes some of the best directors i've ever worked with and i noticed this when um like the, the bigger the production i recently did something with disney plus a right. tv series i've been filming with them and got to work with some great directors and i remember thinking oh that's why you're at this level was uh, this guy in particular his ability to like, and, and, and my role isn't huge in it. I remember him coming up to me and being like, so how would you do that? Yeah. Like he was asking me, yes. I'm like, dude, you're, you're a Disney plus director who's right. done major blockbuster films. And you're asking me, right. someone who's, this is their first mainstream TV show. And you're, you're asking me how I would, oh, this guy, he, that's how you'd get a good production. Yeah. You want to pull on everyone's resources yeah. and not just be so like, focused on 
the outcome. It's really interesting to see. And in that, I'm sure he's learning something. You know, he's learned your side of it and how what you think. And he's gone, oh, okay, that that might be different to what I was thinking. I wonder why. Okay, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like the the cogs start going and building, and then he's learning while creating. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing. Like yeah. And you must get both worlds because you're performing and you're directing as well. Yeah, I definitely want to move towards more directing you do that was going to be my, yeah. my next like line of question is like <laughs> yeah. you know what because you, you really suits you because you have the experience yeah. of being the performer sometimes that makes the best director well i hope so because from directors that i've seen i always like that they have an idea and then they let everybody know their idea and then everybody contributes to that idea of how they see a character or how they see a, a thing being seen or the overlook you know because i think those moments grow into something amazing you know sharing other people's experiences with one another and then becoming an experience together instead of just one person's view Mm -hmm. that's really important Mm -hmm. it's like that ceo has got to have the overview and really take on board like there's a reason you're hiring people yeah yeah there's a reason that that actor is in the job yeah he's not there just to be told to do something you're hiring him because you're trusting that he has something to bring to the table. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you'll do really well as a director. And uh, so is that is that where is that what lies ahead? Do you think? Uh yeah, that's what I would like to to move towards more. Directing, telling stories, you know, um, not just as an actor, but as or a singer or even an answer. You can tell them in all forms, uh, but actually, going as far as to seeing people that I think would be able to show that vision, whether it be set designers, whether it be camera crew, those kind of things, and how we make stuff come to life. Because I also know that you can't be great at everything. So you also have to delegate to Mm -hmm. and go, well, okay, I'm not great at working behind the camera, but this person knows everything about that camera. So how about I work with them? Tell them what I think, and then they can tell me the crazy stuff that comes out and go, Let's mesh the two together. Yeah. What's your dream role? What would you want to really direct? Um, my dream goal actually would be to take uh, uh, at the moment is to take a, an actual story, a life story, you know, um, one untold, you know, one that's maybe not in books, you know, take a real life, and I guess show the beauty of it, you know. Because I think everybody's lives are beautiful. Everybody has such great journeys. When you find out where people are from, what they did, you know, where they grew up, where they didn't grow up, you know, grandparents, their great grandparents. There's so many lovely stories. But if you were to take one person and you were to take a few stories from their life and bring it to life, I like that idea. I like I like that and the magic behind it because there's magic in everybody's life constantly, you know. Even right now, where we are right now, it's quite magical, you know what I mean? We've got lights, we're in, we're talking, we're having tea at the same time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a story by itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's one of the perks about being a performer is the ability to, you know, you do get to travel. You do get to see things. Yeah. And you you, you get to experience different cultures. You get to be part of those different cultures and that bleeds into your performance. And yes. that bleeds into, if you're going to direct something, yes. you draw on your experiences from around the world. Yes. And you draw, and, and like everyone has their unique blend. 
that yeah. they have they're able to draw upon like oh i stayed a year in this country i i yes. learned this about this culture and i and then you get to display that in an art form or certainly if you're going to direct something like yeah. to be yeah. in that position to to show people like this is what i've learned and drawn upon and that's going to be cool it's all that's where you get the best stories from is yeah. when you're, you're you're blending those things together you're drawing upon that um yeah that, i'm excited for you i'm excited thank you man hopefully there's people watching that think <laughs> i'm gonna keep an eye out for darren's next projects coming get in up touch. Get in touch. Um, <laughs> and also coming to see your shows as well yeah um so when are you going to be in london what what are the london dates um so a lot of my dates are touring dates right now um have we're currently on the bellman british pullman train mm -hmm. doing a murder mystery so that leaves victoria three three four times a month and we do a murder mystery on there really no, nice it's, getting to it's know been your story. a pleasure it's been um, a pleasure and it's always nice because when there's somebody that i've seen on social media for such a long time and never yeah. met in person it's like why have I not met this person yeah. in real life? Yeah. But then where's the opportunity to do that? Yes. And, and this provides a really nice opportunity to sort yes. of like actually get to know people rather than just seeing what they're posting online. And, and it's wonderful. So thank you very much. No, for coming thank on you. Today. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's been really <laughs> nice to get to know. And hopefully you never know. It's a small world. We'll probably end up working together at some point. Doing I think something, we definitely keeping will in touch. That way. <laughs> coming to see some of your shows. Will. Yeah, and I'll come and see some of yours. You know, awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Nice one, Darren. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Nick. Thank Let's you. Let's call it there. All right. <laughs>